but today we're going to do giving away what we've been given. How many of you know when you have a testimony, you're giving away something you've been given? You're testifying to what God has given you, and when you testify to what God has given you, you're given through that testimony, you're giving it away, right? So uh, we're going to be in the book of Mark, chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. The Bible says, In those days the multitude being very great, having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued me with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away, hungry to their own homes, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. His disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said, to, he said to set them also before them. And so they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets uh, of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away, immediately got into the boat with his disciples, and came to the region of Dalmanutha. So in our inter- uh, uh, to, to get started in this text, what I want to just kind of give you a little bit of an introduction, uh, Jesus had been in the middle of a days-long crusade. It wasn't just a couple hours. It was for several days. They were out, and they used to have these things called camp meetings where they'd go out in the fields, and, and they'd build a brush arbor, and they would stay there for days and sometimes for weeks. Well, he's been doing that for days. And the people had come from all over to hear and experience him and, and what he was doing through his ministry. And after some time, uh, Jesus calls the disciples to himself because he realized that uh, people hadn't eaten. Because uh, when they went out there, I don't think they expected to stay there that long. It's kind of like, well, I went to church, but I didn't, I didn't expect to stay that long. The power of God moved. And the next thing you know, here I was on the floor for a couple hours. And, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, then I was just kind of out of it because the Lord touched me. And you just didn't expect that. They didn't expect what was going on. And so they're hungry. And he's concerned with the fact that if he dismisses the, the crowd to go home, they would become weak on the journey and would faint along the way, since many of them had traveled a great distance to be in the crusade. Now, what I want us to discover in this passage is a few key principles, and I like to call them God's ways. You know, you can see the acts of God and experience the acts of God, or in the acts of God, you can learn the ways of God. I believe it's God's desire that in his acts, we would learn his ways. But if we're not careful, all we're going to do is see his acts. If you see his acts and you don't learn his ways, you can say thank you very much and become ungrateful the next time around. But if you learn his ways through his acts, then like I was saying before, even when things aren't going right, I know how God works, and so I'm going to praise the Lord when things aren't going the way I want to, when I don't feel the way I want to, because it's one of the ways of God. Faith learns how to do that. Okay, the Bible says in Psalms 103, verse 7, Moses knew the ways of God, but the children of Israel only saw the acts of God. So anyway, I want us to discover some God's ways that the text reveals to us, and hopefully it will help us in our walk with God. Do you know that God has ways of doing things? Now, he doesn't always do things the same way all the time, but there are some principles he likes to work with. And in this text, we're going to find a few. And one of those is that God reveals his will to his people. Now, God can be secretive. 
about a lot of things. He's mysterious. He's God. He knows things not only that we do not know. Everybody was, of course, he's God. But he, he knows things that we probably never know. He's infinite in his knowledge, infinite in his wisdom. He's infinite in uh, the things that he does. So uh, uh, he's a mysterious God, but he's good. But from time to time, he does reveal his will to his people. And here in Mark 8, 1 through 4, the Bible says that Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion on this multitude. And if we jump down uh, uh, to verse 3, it says, if I send them away, they'll faint on the way. And his disciples says, how can we satisfy these people with bread? How can anyone do that here in the wilderness? And my point in showing you this is that Jesus didn't have to express his concern. But he did. When God reveals something to us as his people. It's an invitation for them to cooperate with him in the work that he wants to do. A lot of times we think that God wants to find out how to do something. And that's not the point. The point is he wants to bring us in into the conversation. He always knows what to do but he wants to include us into the conversation. And here, in this particular case, he wants to feed the crowd a meal. And I want you to notice the disciples' response. They answered by saying, how? This interrogative in the Greek is literally, from what place? From where? From what source are we going to be able to do things? In other words, where in the world are we going to get what we need to do this? So instead of being excited at the Lord's purpose, they were concerned with how it would be done. A lot of times when God begins to reveal to us what he wants to do in us and through us, sometimes it's way beyond anything we can imagine, way beyond anything we can conceive, and we begin to think to ourselves, how is this going to happen? How can we make this get done? How is it that we're going to accomplish this? And that's not the point at all. It's not to sit there and get all worried and, and concerned. I can't do it. It's impossible. It's to just say, okay, God, you're inviting me into a work that you want to do. Uh, let's, let's see what you have in mind. And then just begin to flow with God. Get excited about the fact that God wants to do something in your life, and he doesn't need you to do it, but he wants to do it through you. Okay? So figuring out how is not really what the Lord is looking for. Our purpose is to partner with him who already knows how. He knows how he's going to do it. He knows what's going to happen. Listen, uh, I'm sure Peter was wondering, you know, when we step out on the water, how's this going to happen? But he didn't let the how prevent him from doing it. God already knew how. We don't have to know the physics of how it's going to take place. We just have to be willing to cooperate with God and move with him. His, God's works are supernatural. His provision will come from heaven's resources. We may not have the resources. We may not have the ability. We may not have the means. But the Bible says it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But if we will partner with God and work with God, then his resources will flow through us. Isaiah 55, 8, 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts, your ways Neither your ways, my ways, says the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
Ezekiel 33:13. Now therefore I pray, uh, uh, Exodus 33:13. Moses is praying to the Lord. He says, I pray if I found grace in your sight, show me now your ways that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And the reason I threw that in there is because we don't know the ways of God. We don't know the thoughts of God. So one of the things that we can do is we can ask God to reveal to us his ways. And that's what he's doing with the disciples. Now, the only problem with the disciples in this particular case is they weren't really asking. But God doesn't have to uh, uh, ask your permission to reveal something to you. When he reveals something to you, what he's really wanting to do is invite you in. So there's a couple of ways that it can work. So one of the ways of God is he he will reveal what he wants to do through his people. And the second thing we're going to look at today that we can learn from the text is God flows from the few to the many. We often think that God flows from the many to the few. But the reality is in the kingdom of God, it often works that he flows from the few to the many. Mark 8 and 1. In those days, the multitudes being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus calls his disciples to him and said to them. He didn't call the whole crowd together and say, what do we got? Let's pool our resources. He called the disciples, right? Jesus didn't address the group but he addresses his core group. He addresses his disciples. He doesn't work through the crowd directly, but he works with a small group of disciples so that they can then distribute to the crowd. He works from the few, and through them, he blesses them so that he can then bless the many. Psalms 133, 1 through 3 is a very good picture of that. It's a picture of Aaron, who is a high priest, and the Bible says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garment. So God is anointing Aaron, but when he anoints Aaron, it affects all the rest of his body going downward. And that's how God works. Many times God will anoint one, but not just so the one can get blessed, but so that the grace and the anointing will flow down the head to the body and all will experience that oil. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessings lie forevermore. What is that? See, God allows dew to come upon the mountains, but I want you to know that dew that forms in little droplets on the mountains becomes a great river as it flows down the mountain. How does that happen? I don't know. I just know it does. God works by, by what seems to be a little bit, but that little bit becomes multiplied and it increases and it begins to bless those around them. In Luke 22, I preached on this once before, 31 through 33, the Lord said to Simon, uh, Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you. Now, uh, I'm going to read this and then I'll go back and make sense of it, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, let me go back and I don't think they put that up there. Let me sh- show you what it's saying because if you don't know Uh, When we say you, in Texas, we can differentiate. In Texas, we can say you, meaning the individual, or we can say you all, meaning the plural, right? But in, in actuality, if you take English, you is either singular or plural. We don't know which one. You have to base the context, right? But in Greek, it tells you, is this a singular you 
or is this a plural you? So we don't necessarily get that in English, but I'm, uh, I'm going to give it to you so that you can see what's happening here. And the Lord said to Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you, plural, and he's basically looking at all the disciples. He's asked for you, all the disciples, that he may sift all, let me say Texas language. He's asked for y'all, that he may sift y'all, as we, it's like I should talk Texas language all the time. Y'all got it. But I have prayed for you, Peter. Now listen, this will offend you if you don't take it the right way, if you don't learn the ways of God. He didn't say, but I prayed for you all. He says, no, Peter, I prayed for you. Why? Why wouldn't he pray for the others? Why wouldn't he pray for everybody else? Why wouldn't he do that? Because that's not way, always the way that God works. But let me give you the rest of the verse. I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, then you go strengthen your brethren. In other words, I'm going to strengthen you, Peter. And with the strength that I give you, you're going to go strengthen your brethren. All of it comes from God. But God doesn't always give to all. He gives to one not because he's showing favoritism, but like the dew that falls on the mountain of Hermon, like the oil that was poured on the, air, uh, the head of Aaron, he pours it on you so that you can pour out to those that are around you because it's not just love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's love your neighbors as yourself. If God just gave to everyone, we wouldn't need anyone. But he gives to some so they can share with all. And guess what? We need each other. And that's important to God. May not be important to us because people say all the time, I don't got to church. I don't got to go to church to be Christian. I don't need to have anybody to be Christian. I just go out and live in the wilderness, me, myself, and God. Well, you can do that, right? I'm not saying you can't get to heaven, but you're not going to experience the true, uh, powerful, overcoming Christian life because much of what you need is not given to you, it's given to somebody else who will then give to you. And what they need is oftentimes not given to them, it's given to you, and they're not going to get it unless you learn how to give it away. Right? Okay, Luke, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. Now, we're, we are, if you haven't realized, we are a uh, crazy, mad, I mean, charismatic church. We're a spiritual church, right? Sometimes Pentecostal, uh, Pentecostal, when we talk about Pentecostal, we're talking about what happened on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Spirit of God came, the gifts of God began to move. But a lot of times today's society, they think Pentecostal, they think bun, uh, they think, uh, uh, you know, uh, skirts, they think no makeup. And, you know, um, you know I'm just, uh, uh, that's not really who we are, okay? But what we are about is we're about the, the power of the Spirit that comes when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, okay? Now, here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, notice that word one, for the profit of all. See, we tend to think it's given to the one for the one. No. I give to the one for all. I want you to see that. For to one is given to the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another one 
the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another, working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills, but why does he give to each one individually? We saw in verse 7, for the profit of all. Well, how does it benefit the all? When the one gives away what they've been given. Am I making sense to you? So he doesn't give the gift of tongues to, we're not talking about the, the evidence of tongues or praying in tongues. We're talking about the, the tongues that, that, that manifest in a group service that is coupled with a interpretation of the tongues that equal a prophetic word. He doesn't give that to everyone. He distributes as he wills. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone's not available or there's not the opportunity for everyone, but he doesn't give it to everyone. He'll give it to one. And you might think to yourself, why are you giving it to them but not giving it to me, you know? Well, uh, if they didn't give it away, it wouldn't do you any good. But he's giving it to them so they can give it away, and you get the benefit of their giving away what he gave to them because it wasn't for them, it was for us. I'm making sense to you. I'm trying to teach you the ways of God. So God works oftentimes with a few, and he blesses them so that they can give away what's been given and then bless the multitude. All right? Third point, God works with what you bring. Matthew, Mark 8, 5 and 6, he asked them, how many loaves do you have? Now, do you think God can create something out of nothing? Yeah, it teaches us that. He can what did he work with in the desert when it rained manna from heaven? The Israelites didn't bring anything. So why did he ask for the loaves? Why did he ask for what they had? Because there's a principle here he wants to teach us. He said, how many loaves do you have? <laughs> and this is important, okay? So he took, he said, we have seven. He took what they have and gave thanks. I like to think of it this way. He said, Thank you very much. <laughs> and they're thinking to themselves, now I have nothing. I, get, I had seven, and now I have zero, and now Jesus has everything. Wait, but you got to see you're still in the middle of the process, right? God always bring, begins with what you bring to the table. Always begins with what you, he doesn't start with nothing. He began with nothing when he created creation ex nihilo, but he doesn't work that way once he created humanity. He works with us, and he works with what we bring. In our text, he starts with loaves and fishes, and he multiplies them. I, I preached a, a message on this one time many, many years ago at Christian Temple. I said he, will, he would have multiplied what he brought. Tonight, he would have multiplied chicken spaghetti. If you brought chicken spaghetti to him, what do you think the disciples were going to eat? Not hard, right? If... Listen, we live in the South, a lot of Hispanics in the South. If you work with Hispanics, more than likely, they're going to have some tacos. If Jesus were to ask, what do you have, what do you think they're going to say? We got some tacos. 
What do you think the crowd? <laughs> what do you think the crowd would have eaten that day? Y'all are probably thinking loaves and fishes. No. No. He multiplies what they brought. He will multiply what you bring. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you bring what what's a, a favorite food that that y'all eat that you like? Huh? I can't hear you. Gumbo. If you bring gumbo, what do you think the crowd's going to eat? I'd be like, good Lord, don't let anybody have any menudo in this crowd. <laughs> or, or <laughs> I don't like menudo, please. No Brussels sprouts. I, I was hoping TR wouldn't be there because I'd be eating okra, and I just do not like okra. <laughs> if it's fried, I like it, but that's about it. All right, so people will often pray and say, none of me, Lord, all of you. Well, I understand the gist behind the prayer, but that's not how God works. If it was all God, why did he call us? Why did he reveal his will to us? Why does he ask us for what we have? No matter how insignificant we think we are, God asks us for what we have. Listen, I'm, just hold on with me. I'm, I'm Rick Helguero. I have a unique personality. I'm not like everybody else. I'm not like other pastors. I'm not like other people. And you hang around me and you're going to go, yeah, we know that. But you know what? God's not trying to make me like somebody else. Because I can't bring something I don't have. I can bring what I have. I bring my personality, my uniqueness, my wit, or you could call it stupidity, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and the Lord multiplies what I have. And I struggled with that for a long time because I didn't match the mold. I don't match up to what everybody else does. I'm, I'm not that way. But that doesn't mean that I'm wrong. It just means that every, everybody else is bringing, uh, 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 you know, cornbread to the table. I'm bringing some far-out dish, but that's okay. I have something to offer, and God will multiply what I bring him. You don't have to be like everybody else, but you have to give him what you have and who you are. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, it doesn't mean that we don't need to be cleaned up and worked up and all that kind of stuff, but the essence of who you are, you've got to bring it to him, okay? So he uses what we bring, and he works through us to bless others within our circle of influence. He begins a supernatural work in us so that as he expands us, he can then flow through us to bless those around us, okay? Fourth point, God works supernaturally through our giving, I'm not really talking about money, but you can apply it to money. But this is just giving in general, Mark 8, 7 through 9. They also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said to them also, uh, to set them also before them, the crowd. So they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Now remember, how many basket loads, I mean, how many loaves and fishes did he have? How many loaves of bread? Seven. Does it say how many fish? I think in another place it said they had two. How many people did they feed? 
4,000, 4,000 men, because they didn't count the women and the children at that particular day, right? So if you multiply that, let's say every uh, man had either a child or a wife, or, or you say, well, that's a lot. Well, sometimes they had big families. Let's just say, let's multiply it by two. That's 8,000. You multiply it by four, that's 16,000. By five, that's 20,000 people. With what? Seven loaves and two fishes. He did an incredible miracle, but guess what needed to happen? They needed to give Jesus what they had. Another of God's ways is revealed through the text when we see him give what they had given to him, supernaturally charge it. I don't know a better way of saying that. He prayed over it, and all of a sudden, that seven loaves, it's like there was something different about it because it was blessed by the Lord. And he gives it back not to the crowd. Who does he give it back to? The disciples, right? His purpose is to feed the crowd, but that'll only happen if the disciples give away what has been given to them. The disciples will eat with what Jesus has blessed. He's given it back. They had seven loaves and two fishes. They can just eat themselves, and they'll be satisfied. But that wasn't what Jesus wanted to do. What he wanted to do was to feed the crowd. But he doesn't give the bread directly to the crowd. He gives the bread to his disciples. If they keep it to themselves, they're going to stop the flow. If they give it away, there will be a not just a flow, there will be a supernatural flow. You're hearing what I'm saying? Doesn't the Bible say in Luke 6.38, give, and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it will be put into your bosom. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. God will give you something so that you can give it away and the more you give it away, if it's got the blessing of God on it, it will be used for much more than just a single beneficiary. It will benefit a multitude. Okay, uh, this is kind of off. I think it's a rabbit trail. Should I go or should I not? Okay. <laughs> All right, sometimes let's just talk about financially. Sometimes if you're praying, you need something. Let's just say, God, I need $1,000. I've got to pay a bill. I need $1,000. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how it's going to take place. And all of a sudden, supernaturally, you get 100 bucks. But your bill is not 100 bucks. Your bill is 1000 right? So somebody, somebody said it this way. If it doesn't meet your need, more than likely it's seed. Well, this isn't going to do anything to pay my bill. So maybe... I need to look at differently, and the Lord wants to m help me meet my need, but the way that he's going to meet my need is by first giving me a supernaturally charged piece of bread. You hearing what I'm saying? And I can eat that bread. Oh, that was so good, and everybody else is starving. Or I can give away that bread, bread being a metaphor in this case for the example of money. I can give it away. And I can bless somebody else, but here's the thing. As I give it away and bless somebody else, it opens up a door for me to be able to receive maybe what I truly need. Yeah. 
well, why didn't God just give me what I needed? Because he wants more than just to provide for you. He wants to teach you something. He wants to teach you how he works. He wants to grow you as a person. He doesn't want your trust to be in the $100. He wants your trust to be in him. He doesn't want you to be a solitary individual that only cares about yourself. He wants you to care about others. And if you think that if I... If you have a poverty mentality and you say to yourself, I don't have enough to care about others, you won't care about others. But if you realize that you belong to a different kingdom that has different ways of working, then you can give away and still not lack. In fact, when you give away, if you get into the flow and you follow God's principles and you follow the leadership of God, you can give away and have more than you ever dreamed of. We're not talking about Rolls Royces. We're not talking about any of that. But if you give away forgiveness, you know what you're going to get back? Forgiveness and mercy. If you give away joy, you know what you're going to get back? Joy. It's not just about money. Money is just a good example. It's a tangible example, but please don't limit it to money. But the same way, if you hold on to your finances, then you're going to have enough for you, but nobody else is going to have anything, and what you have is not going to be blessed. But if you'll give back to God and he, the, the blessings of God go, comes on it and then you, he gives to you and you say, well, I've done my part. Well, many times you've done your part by giving to the Lord, but you don't realize that when it comes back to you, now it has a blessing on it. Now when you give it away, it multiplies. Never thought about that till just right now. I hope it's biblical. I think it is. Sometimes I say things and I, I, I listen to what I say and afterwards I go, I don't agree with that. <laughs> because it's a challenge. Sometimes it just ain't right. And sometimes it's just it's a challenge to my mindset and the way I think. And I, it's got, I got to grow as well. All right? So Ephesians 4, 7, 11 through 13. To each one, how many? One. It's talking about the fivefold giftings. It's talking about each particular gifting. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. How does he give grace to the body? He gives them some uh, to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. So he doesn't make everybody prophet, doesn't make everybody a pastor, doesn't make everybody an apostle, doesn't make everybody a teacher, doesn't make everybody. He gives grace to one. Well, that ain't right. Well, you haven't finished yet. We're not done yet. Remember how it works. It goes from the top and it flows down. And actually, I believe the anointing gets greater as it flows down. So why does he give grace to some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, some apostles? Why does he give that? For the equipping of the saints. It's kind of like the saints need something. So Jesus says, okay, I'm going to take this little thing right here, and I'm going to give it to you, Mr. Pastor. What are you going to do with what I give you? Are you just going to enjoy it for yourself? Are you going to use it for yourself? Or are you going to give it away? Guess what happens when you give it away? When you give it away, it increases the anointing on your life, but it also brings the anointing on somebody else. Well, why didn't God just give it to everybody? Remember, we're learning the ways of God because it's not always how he works. He's not showing favoritism. It's just a principle in the kingdom. But God will also give you something that he doesn't give anybody else. For what? Because you're special? No, not because you're special in the sense that you're better than everybody else, but yes, you're special because you've been graced so that you can give it away. For the equipping of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all 
come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. How is that going to happen? When the evangelist gives away what they have, when the pastor gives away what they have, when the teacher gives away what they have, when the prophet gives away what they have, when the apostle gives away what they have, and the people become apostolic, the people become prophetic, the people become evangelistic, the people become pastoral, the people become teachers. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Then the body grows up. And the grace begins to flow through the body, not just on one. This is not the Rick Helguero show. It's not. Never intended to be. It's not what it's supposed to be. Whoever's in this pulpit, it's not, it's not so that you can lift me up and see how good and how great. No, I'm here for you. I'm here to give you. They said, what are you giving me? I'm giving you the Word of God. I'm giving you what God's given me. I give you what God's given me. I was going to get here in a minute, but I'll go ahead and give it to you as an example. God gives me bread, the Word of God, reveals things to me, opens things up for me. Now, I can sit there and write in my multiple and say, oh, God, you're awesome. You're so great. Oh, this is wonderful. Lord, thank you so very much. And go home, never talk to anybody, never do anything, you know, and I'm going to be blessed for a short while because eventually that flow will stop because a spring, uh, 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 water that has nowhere to go it gets dammed up, right? It's not going to be a benefit to anybody. But what happens uh, if I learn how to give it away, the reason he gives it to me is that, yes, it's going to be a blessing to me, but then I take what he gave to me and say, no, you got it through diligent study and all that kind of stuff. I wish I could say that. I do study. I have diligent to do that. But no, God reveals things. He gives it. It's a gift. Why does he gift you that way? So that I can bring it to you and give it away. And here's the thing. When I give it to you, you can just say, oh, that was an awesome word. Thank you very much. I appreciate it very much. And just stick it in your pocket. And three days later, what did you learn on Sunday? I don't know. I don't know. Or you can eat it, and then you can give it away. You give it away. And see what I'm saying? It's not, it's not hey, man, you need to hear what pastor preached. No. You need to see what the Bible says what the Lord taught me in his word. doesn't matter where you got it from. Well, let me show you what the Lord, and then see you, I got something, you got something, and now somebody else can have something. And if they take it and they give it away to somebody else, the next thing you know, you're feeding a multitude. Well, God can just give it to me on my own. He can, but a lot of times he doesn't. <laughs> I used to work for a pastor. Listen, I used to work for a pastor. I was an associate pastor, youth pastor, associate pastor, whatever you want to call it. I was, I was not the, the, the head guy. I was just on staff. But he was a great guy teaching me how, to, how ministry works and, and, and mentoring me. And I would sit in his office. You know, I felt, and this was over many, many years. He said, I feel like the Lord wants us to do this. I feel like God's saying this. And, and, you know, and he was just sharing his thoughts with me. And I, one time I got to thinking to myself, how come God doesn't ever tell me that? Because of the principle, God works from the head down. And here's the thing. God was telling me. He just wasn't telling me in my prayer closet. He was telling me through my pastor. Right? And as long as I was in good relationship and right relationship with my pastor, I would get the benefit of what God wanted to give me through him. But when I got out of fellowship or out of agreement or I began to dishonor him, began to get hateful or hurtful or forgetful or, uh, uh, you know, uh, whatever through him, then I couldn't receive what God wanted to give me through him. And we said, well, God, you just have to give it to me on my own. But see, God's not uh, uh, beholden to your ways. You've got to learn how to, beholden, to be beholden to God's ways. 
well, God, you can do it this way. Yeah, I can do anything, but I want you to get it through him. Well, I don't want to. I don't like him. Well, then you're not going to get it. Right? It's not because he's special or they're special. That's not the reason. See, sometimes we begin to think, hey, I'm tied to the man. You know, you're not tied to the man. It's you're in relationship with the man. But just as much as you're going to be a blessing to him, he's going to be a blessing to you. God's not concerned about how special that person is. He's concerned that we learn how to share and give to one another so we all can grow up and we all display love. They'll know you are Christians by your love for one another. And love gives. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 7. There was a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, say, Your servant, my husband is dead, and you know my servant feared my servant, your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? And of course she says, I want you to pay off my debts. Now it doesn't record in there, but I'm sure that's what she's thinking. And she he says to her, What do you got in the house? And she said, I don't have anything in the house. Kind of like when a pastor says, do you want to work? And, nope. You want to volunteer? Nope. You want to give your time here? Nope. Nobody here does that, but I'm just, I've been a pastor for a long time. Can you help out here in this area? Nope. What do you have in your house? Nothing. That's what she's saying. And I, it's my opinion, you know, I can't prove it to you. But I just tend to think he just sat there and he looked at her and he locked eyes with her and all of a sudden the Spirit of God began to move and she get convicted and she started thinking, well, I better think of something fast because I feel the Spirit of God, <laughs> you know, I don't like it. And she said, I got nothing. Well, maybe I got a little bit of oil. And he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, don't gather just a few, and when you come into your house, shut the door behind you, put it all, put it, put it, pour into all those vessels, and set aside the full ones. So, take what you got, find somewhere to pour it into, and begin to pour. And don't stop pouring until you run out. And guess what happened? When she no longer had a place to pour, the oil stopped. But if she had figured out a way to continue to have vessels, the oil would have kept going. The only thing that stopped the oil was nowhere to put the oil anymore, was a lack of vessels. And a lot of times what stops the flow in our life is we stop pouring. We stop giving. We stop uh, sharing. We stop blessing other people, and we just become inward focused. And that's what stops the flow. You hear what I'm saying? Okay, so Acts 4, 32-37. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Why? Because they were given that grace away. There was, there was, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses. Notice, notice the Bible didn't say those evil people that had everything. The Lord in no way condemns anybody from having stuff. He doesn't. He blesses people with stuff, right? It's wrong to think they're evil because they have and I don't. It's not the way it works, right? They, they're blessed, but here's the thing. When God gets a hold of people, uh, 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 for all who were possessors of lands or houses, sold them. 
And what did they do? They brought the proceeds of those things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. So what were they doing? They were distributing to everyone as they had need. But how did it come? It wasn't, look, hey, there's gold in the chairs and there's money on the aisles. No, it came through those that had that were willing to give away what they had to meet the multitude. But I don't like that. That's the way it works. And again, I don't think God's sitting up there in heaven going, well, you know, they don't like that. I'm going to have to figure another way. No, it's thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's my responsibility not to be conformed, but to be transformed by the renewing of my mind that I may learn what is a good, acceptable, perfect will of God so that I can get into the flow, I can get into the ways, I can learn how God works so that as he works, I can step into that and experience the blessings of God's working in my life. All right, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Well, it's wrong for you to have so much, but the Bible says he gives us all things to enjoy. There's nothing wrong with enjoying what God has given to you. But if that's all you do, you're going to stop the flow. What it says, let them do good, that they may be rich in good works. So not just rich in in, in property, not just rich in goods, but God wants to be rich in good works. Ready to give, willing to share, storing up for yourselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. So having learned that God works through a few to bless the multitude, this is my whole point for, for getting here today. I didn't start out with this because sometimes it just comes as a seed and it just kind of grows as I go through it, but this, this is kind of how I wrapped it up having learned that God works for, through a few to bless the multitude, what should that say to us when God blesses us, not only individually, but as a church? How many of you know God's starting to move in our midst? It's awesome, right? We call it a move of God. You can call it, it's, it's a seed, the, the beginnings of revival. It's a seed, it's, it's, it's a stirring that's beginning to take place, all right? So what's happening? God's pouring something out on us, right? So, if God blesses us with something like this, is it a sign of us being somehow superior to everyone else? Look, God's showing favor on us, and he's not showing favor on you. <laughs> God loves me more than he loves you. <laughs> Don't tell anybody what's going on here because I want it for myself. And if, if I tell everybody, I'm not going to find a parking place. I'm not going to find a place to park. I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to have that. Is that why he does it? No. Rather, we must see ourselves as being given stewardship of God's blessings to give it away to those who are in need. I'm blessing you to bless the multitude. Well, why don't you just bless the multitude? Because that's now how God works. For him saying? He blesses us so that the blessings on us can flow through us. It's only if we approach what God is doing in our midst in this way that we can keep the flow going. 
we can perpetuate what he is doing in us and through us and supernaturally let what God wants to do in our midst become a blessing to those around us so that it's not just us that comes in and gets changed, but what he wants to do is he wants to change the world around us. But he's not going to change the world around us without us. He's going to change the world around us through us. But if we don't learn his ways, we won't cooperate with him. And if we don't cooperate with him, we're not going to give away what he gives us. And if we don't give it away, it's going to stop the flow. Oh, I love going to church. Somebody used this illustration. I think it was Johnny Enlow was using this illustration. He said, we think sometimes when God's moving, he said, man, I got to get my gas tank filled up. We go to church, woo, hallelujah, woo, get our gas tank filled up, right? Got my gas tank filled up. So what do you do throughout the week? Nothing. You drive anywhere? No. Do you use the car? No. What are you waiting for? So I can go back to church and get my gas tank filled up again. Well, what's the purpose of getting fuel if you don't use the fuel to do something? It's kind of like, I'll be honest with you, I love to have, like any man, a four-wheel drive, truck, you know, uh, lifted, and, you know, uh, just, just, but the reality is, if I really think about it, I never use a four-wheel drive. Never. So why do I want a four-wheel drive? I just want one. Looks cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But the purpose of a four-wheel drive is not to look cool. The purpose of it was to work to pull something, to work, on a, to work on a farm, to work on a ranch, to do, get to areas you couldn't get to unless you had a four-wheel drive. But I want one, but I'll never use it. So it's kind of, we want a move of God. Awesome. You get a move of God. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. I just want one. I just want the blessings of God. I just want God to pour out his spirit. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what are you going to do with it? Well, I just wanted my gas tank full, okay? I want my gas tank full some more. I want my, how much gas can you put in your, in your tank without using it? The reason God's going to bless us with a move, the reason God's going to pour out his spirit, and I say this all the time, revival is the church, but the church is for the world. God hasn't given up on the world. The church has given up on the world. God's desire has been to change the world, to show the world the glory of God. It doesn't say in the Bible, and I got this from Johnny, arise and reflect. It says arise and shine. You got to shine in the darkness. God wants this world. And the way that he's chosen to reach this world is through the few, through the church, through those that know him. But only when the church has the mentality that God is blessing me, not just for me, not to show the world how bad they are and how good I am. He's blessing me so that I can take what God has given to me and give it away. And guess what happens? When I give it away, not only are they blessed, but I find that there's more for me and I get more because my, I begin to increase and I get... As I increase, I get more. And as I get more, I have more to give away. And I give away more. And I come back and I get increased because I keep stretching. I keep growing. And the next thing you know, it's like it's like God says, man, they're beginning to tap into my unlimited resources. And I want to bless them. Because they're not just using it for themselves. They're blessing the world. Ha ye. 
What did God say to Abraham? Very beginning. The Lord said, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. So it's not, hey, I'm just blessing you, Abraham, because I like you. No, he is blessing him because he likes him. But that's not why. I'm blessing you so that you can bless the nations. Well, but, but it's going to cost me something. Yeah, you've got to give away what you've been given to you. Right? And notice, when he gave the bread to the disciples, they had to go to work. When bread begins to multiply, the disciples had to get to work. They had to pass it out. They, and you know where the, where the miracle took place? It wasn't like a great pile of food was multiplied on the stage. The miracle took place as they gave away what they had. I believe every time they gave a piece, there was another piece that showed up. Every time they gave, you say, what justification do I have for that? The woman with the flour and the oil, when Elijah said, your flour shall not run dry, neither your oil run dry, I believe she had a small little bit of oil, uh, oil and flour, and every time she put it in, there was another one there. It didn't multiply, and she didn't sell flour. She didn't sell oil. She just began to put it, and there was another one there. As we give away, there's more. As we give away, there's more. But it's never like piled up. You got to consistently give it away, give it away, give it away, give it away. The disciples had to work. They had to give it away. I'm here to tell you that the move of God is going to create an opportunity for you to work. I don't want to work. Then you don't want to move God. Because in order for it to take place, you've got to have people that are willing to give away. We're going to need people to work the parking lot, people to work you know, the doors, people to take names, people to call. We're going to need people to, to pray. We're going to have uh, we're, so many things that we're going to need. People to work the cameras. I, I'm not going to be able to do it all. I don't want to do it. I don't even want to do it all now. I'm thankful for the people that are coming. Right? I don't want to do that. Can't do that. Can't live that way. But where there are many hands that are willing to give away what they have, it can be done. So in our text, the miracle of multiplication took place as the disciples gave away what Jesus was giving them. It was progressive. As they gave it away, it continued to multiply, and as it multiplied, they continued to give it away. How long? Until all who were hungry were satisfied. There is a hungry and starving world who would need what God has given us. Our privilege is to partner with God and receive what he's given to us with the purpose of giving it away that those who are in need and who are hungry may partake. Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. Ho, ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend for money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. So, uh, I had, uh, okay, we're going to skip that. Well, let's just conclude. So, in conclusion, what we learn from the study of this passage is that God has ways of doing things and we learn his ways and come into harmony with them. As we learn them, we can experience to experience, we can begin to experience the supernatural flow of God in us as well as through us. And the purpose of God's working in us is not just to bless us alone. God's desire is to bless us that we might then, through our giving away what he's given to us, be a blessing to the world around us. Blessed to be a blessing. It's one of the chief ways that God works. It is a way of the kingdom. 
It's God's will for a church, for our church. May it be so for you. And Lord, let it happen here at Shady Oaks and Assembly of God. Amen.